Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, October 17th. Purely a West Coast thing to say. As the East Coast careens into Tuesday. But that's all cool. Make sure you're keeping your home defense skills up. These are crazy times. Nobody wants to be caught short. That's why we have iTarget Pro. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. At itargetpro.com, and your offer code is BARDS, and you know that. Because Bards is becoming the popular promo code for everybody. So I want to get into Habakkuk tonight. We've done Habakkuk before, but I really want to get into it again because I think it's so apropos for what we're dealing with. Habakkuk is really dealing with that moment of watching a nation be destroyed and watching a people be so insolent. And he's pleading to God to ask God for favor. Like, why aren't you doing this? And really trying to, really questioning, like, who are you, God? Like, why? what are you doing? Why are you not interceding? And the lesson is quite amazing because in the process of this, God is moving through him and he's showing him how he doesn't see by, but one nation. He sees his people, his children. And he knows that people are insolent. They know he knows that they all nations ultimately become a Babylon. And so he basically uses he allows the course of events to happen where one nation is another a nation, forcing people one nation against another nation, forcing people ultimately to turn back to him. We tend to have a very anthropocentric view of the world and of the Bible. And what I mean by that is that we tend to look at the Bible purely from us, me, now, in this country, and we make a lot of pleas from the position of me or you or ourselves. And it's important to remember that in the full body of Christ, what God's looking for is that chorus of voices. And while he listens to us, there's no question about that. Really how we frame and understand the picture defines how we're trying to be how we're supposed to be walking with God. So let me begin, and we're going to talk a lot about this as we move forward. The Oracle, this is this is Habakkuk one. The Oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence and yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? 
Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. That sounds pretty normal today, in fact. And I think what's really great about this and why I really like this whole discussion that Habakkuk has with the Lord is it's an intimate discussion. It's what we keep talking about here. And Habakkuk is talking to God, and he's being honest with his heart. He's not trying to couch his words. He's literally just challenging God. Like, where are you? Why are you not here? I think we have a timidity, a a timidness to this, to speak our heart to God. And I've I've told you, and this is just my opinion, and if, if you're speaking your heart to God, wonderful, as always, Take what I say and apply through prayer as you, as it fits or not. But my experience in dealing with many people in faith is that there's a tendency to hold back our honesty as if we are not supposed to speak our heart. And I completely reject that. I, and Habakkuk shows this. He's honest in his heart, and God's going to give him an honest answer. We're going to continue. He says, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder. Because I am doing something in your days. This is God. You would not believe if you were told. For behold, I am rising up. I am raising up Chaldeans. That fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their horde of of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings and rulers are laughing, are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and they heap up rubble to capture it. Then they will sweep through like the winds and pass on, but they will be held guilty, though they whose strength is their God, low caps. And and Habakkuk is stunned at this. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you are... Or, O rock, have established them to correct. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? They are your, they are you. Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Why have you made men like the fish of the sea, like creeping things without a ruler over them? The Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook, drag them away with their net, and gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they offer a sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their fishing net. Because through these things their catch is large and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slay nations without sparring? Sparing? See, this is this whole discussion in this first book is or first chapter is so great 
Because Habakkuk is just being truthfully honest in his heart with God. And I love it because he's not holding back. He's, when God tells him that the Chaldeans are, Chaldeans are coming in to, to basically slay them, he's like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, how can you be in favor of this? How can you be celebrating this? What is wrong with you? I thought you were a God of love. I thought you were a God of glory. You're a holy one. What's going on? See, so much of the way we're conditioned to approach God is that that would be insolent. I mean, people would be like, oh, you're, you can't say that. You can't speak to God that way. Why not? He's still respectful. Oh, Lord, my God, my holy one. But he's even putting that in a question. Oh, Lord, my God, my holy one. He's even questioning that. He is speaking truth. And he's not speaking it with spite. He's speaking it with the honesty of his heart. Because he's looking at what he sees and he does not have God's eyes. None of us do. And so it's a rather profound exchange that gives us a great insight into the ability for God to be extremely personal and be very engaged in a conversation. And this is a conversation between Habakkuk and God, which is exactly what we keep talking about here, which is the need to have an intimate and personal loving and living relationship with the living God and Jesus. And that means having a dialogue. That means initiating dialogues. That means speaking honestly from our heart. If everything we do is always from the place of being broken, of being unworthy, of we're not connecting deeply with Father God. He knows that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Hence the idea of sacrificing his son on the cross, the blood of Christ contractually captured every sin we will ever do. That's it. It covers it all. But that doesn't mean we don't seek repentance to stand ourselves back up because we're literally expunging all of that muck, all the things we do from our hearts so that we can have a clear heart when we engage the Father. And Habakkuk is here with that honesty in his heart, speaking to God in a profound way. So it continues. God answers. I will. St- so he. This is Habakkuk. I will stand on my guard post and my and station myself on the rampart. This is Habakkuk, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me, and how I may reply when I am re- reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, "Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run." For the vision is yet to be appointed, yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. I really love this in this passage here for so many reasons. Because God is asking him to record the vision. And this goes even back to what I was talking about last night. He needs to put down the who and the the what and the why. That's what he's asking him to do. What are you seeing and what are you understanding of it? He's not asking him. Nowhere in here is it, and how much is this going to cost you, Habakkuk? 
How much are you guys going to need to get through the winter? How much are you going to, how, how many, how many dollars are you going to need to rebuild the city or to get yourself out of enslavement? There's none of that there. These conversations are shaping and capturing the moment in a powerful way. And Habakkuk has been instructed to record it because he's going to take, God is going to be able to see what Habakkuk understands it to be and work from there. So it continues. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Furthermore, wine betrays the haughty man so that he does not stay at home. He enlarges his appetite like Sheol, and he is like death, never satisfied. He also gathers himself all nations and collects to himself all people. So he's speaking now of the, of the fall of this society, of what has happened here. And we go back and then we look at this, and he says the proud one is not right within him. He's proud. He's living with pride. And the righteous will live by his faith. And then he goes on to say, but wine betrays that haughty man. It's so important that we're, we're talking about drunkery, debauchery, and he doesn't stay home, meaning he's out gallivanting around, probably having affairs. And that makes his appetite for that even greater. And he is like death. Never satisfied. Such a great statement. And gathers himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. He's just devouring nations and people to fulfill this never-ending appetite to control, to have power, and to be that God in his own mind. Those are the rulers, and it sounds very familiar to today. Will not all these take up a taunt song against him, even mockery and insinuations against him and say, woe to him who increases what is not his for how long and makes himself rich with loans. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly and those who collect from you awaken? Indeed, you will become plundered for them because you have looted many nations and all the remainder of the people will loot you. Because the human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town, and to the inhabitants. Today, we are dealing with the same nonsense. People that are charging interest, making money on other people, causing wars for the benefit of their own. Habakkuk is as much a statement of then as it is now. Woe to him who gets evil who gets evil gain from his house to put his nest on high to be delivered from the hand of calamity. You have devised a shameful thing for your house by cutting off many peoples. So you are sinning against yourself. Surely the stone will cry out from the wall and the rafter will answer it from the framework. This whole discussion is about the wealth accumulation on other people's backs. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. Is it not indeed from the Lord of hosts that people toil for fire and nations grow weary for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
how many of our towns in histories have been built on the blood of others? Take a look at our Western histories. Take a look at early histories. We are literally have built a nation on a foundation of bloodshed, which from the Luciferian side is a form of a sacrifice, a blood rift. And we've done very little as a nation to try to heal it. And I think if we're going to be very honest about our nation and very honest about our pulpit that should be leading this nation, it has fallen miserably short. Churches divided amongst themselves. Churches competing against themselves, trying to get one, one variety of religion versus one, another variety of religion, throwing stones at each other. This is, the, this is the insanity of the time in which we live. And it's not bridging and healing the nation. It's only kept the nation divided. Again, we see the same thing referenced in a, in a similar context of Habakkuk because all of what's happening then is the division and people taking for themselves the obsession of self, of personal gain, of wealth, of power. And really when we get to so many of the churches even that should be working to bring God's work together, we have so many factions of churches, Baptists, Lutherans, Methodists, and the list is endless. And yet, each one kind of goes to its own corporate shell, its own corporate organization, its own clan, if you will. And we're not seeing the reach out. Because as a matter of fact, if you go to churches, they'll tell you, well, don't go over there. Because when there you go over there, they see this way and that way. I don't think God has his kingdom designed that way, just saying. And sadly, for so many churches, the walls of the church have become a tomb where Jesus doesn't live boldly, but people are told how he's supposed to live and how you're supposed to live under him with rigid rules, and they miss the most beautiful thing. They miss the intimate, loving, and very active, engaged relationship that the living God provides for all of us, offers for every single one of us. Because in the end, we're told to obey a certain way, do a certain thing. And if you don't do that, and people are more consumed with the fear of compliance, they are extending the love and experience of working through the living God. God does not look. He's, he's a father. And he's engaging. He's in, what he's doing in this engagement is he's also teaching Habakkuk. Habakkuk is challenging him. But he's not challenging him for the seat of power. He's challenging him from his position of observation to say, Father, why are you doing this? This is, it makes no sense from where I'm at. And God in the process is downloading to him like, this is what is happening. It's, if I told you, you would be amazed at what's happening. You wouldn't believe me. But look at your own world. Be honest in your own world. And so we go through this. Continue, woe to, who, woe to you who make your neighbors drink, who mix in your, your venom even to make them drunk. As to look at, on their nakedness, you will be filled with disgrace rather than honor. Now you're, you yourself drink and expose your own nakedness. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter disgrace will come upon your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. And the devastation of its breasts by which you terrified them 
because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town, and to its inhabitants. What profit is the idol when its maker has carved it or an image or a teacher of falsehood? For it makes for the maker trusts in his own handiwork when he fashions speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, Awake, and to a mute stone, Arise, and to your teacher, Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath all at all inside it. But the Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. It's stunning because nothing has changed since Habakkuk. We still, this is all idolatry. The indulgence into drink, which we can add to that drugs today. The deceitfulness of trying to gain power over others, the need to make profit by charging interest in so many different forms in our society. And so what God has done here is Habakkuk has spoken his truth in his heart. God has literally shown Habakkuk as he's asked him to scribe this down. This is what your world is really like. Be eyes open now. Let me show you. And in the process, Habakkuk's view of the world begins to expand. The scales fall from his eyes. He begins to understand that this is much greater than he ever imagined. In this time, it is so important that we seek that honesty with God. It is so important that we put our heart to Father and we talk to him. I'm not talking about, I mean, maybe some days you're going to be angry. You're going to scream and yell. All I would tell you is before you get to that point, probably have a conversation with Father and say, look, I'm going to show you my heart honestly. Some days it's not going to be a good one, but I want you to know me. I want you to hear me. I'm imperfect. I want to learn. I want to gain wisdom. I want to grow. But in order to do that, it's not this thing that we always hear. Well, God knows your heart. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, he does. But that's not the deal here. Your own father, any mother or father knows the heart of their children. Think about this. You know when your kids are lying. You know when they've pulled some little stunt they're not going to tell you about. You know when they didn't make their bed and they say they did. You know when they didn't do their homework and they say they did. You know that. And you're going to, that whole process is you're waiting for them to be honest to you. And what happens? I mean, there's different ways of parenting, but if, you're, if your son or daughter goes out and is like, I did my homework, and you're like, yeah, I know you didn't, but okay. Oh, yeah, I did. And then their report card comes in. And it's like, wow, that was a nasty-looking letter on that. What happened? You going to talk about it? Oh, you know, I had a problem here. And, and you're going to let that go only so far until finally you're going to say, look, enough of the lies. Let's get down to the brass tacks. I know what you did. You're not being honest. And so we're not at that point, but we're at a point where Habakkuk is not able to see the whole picture. This is why he's challenged God. Why would you do these things? And God has said, okay, now I'm going to teach you. And it all comes from the place that Habakkuk has been honest to God. He's spoken honestly. He's expressed what he sees. He expresses his doubt even in God's plan. God didn't smack him and knock him off the wall. Because God knows he can't see what God sees. 
But instead, God knows now where the honesty of his heart is so he can show him more about what's going on. And that's what I find so profound here. And I think it's what's so important and something that we can all learn from. As we are speaking truth to Father, we are building a relationship of depth and honesty that is unlike that that exists in most churches. Because most churches are geared towards sitting in a pew and obeying and believing that, as an example, the devil has no power and that we are just here to somehow wait for Jesus to return. The one thing here that God is showing Habakkuk is that your people have been engaged in sin and you have turned your back from me. And I now have you and I have other nations that are doing the same thing. So I'm going to bring things together in a really difficult way. And this is where Habakkuk gains his great insight. Continuing with chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shingonath. This is an old prayer. Lord, I have heard the report about you and fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let that sink in. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Timen and the Holy One from the Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from his hand. And there is the hiding, and there is the hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. The ancient hills, his ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of cushions under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? Or was your anger against the rivers? Or was your wrath against the sea that you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made bared. The rods of the chastisement were sworn. Selah. You cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and quake. The downpour of the waters swept by. The deep uttered from forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at, they went away at the light of your arrows and at, at the radiance of your gleaming spear. In indignation, you marched through the earth. In anger, you, you trampled the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You stuck the head of the house of the evil to lay him open from the thigh to the neck, Selah. You pierced with his own spears the head of his throngs. They stormed in to scatter us. Their exultation was like those who devoured the oppressed in secret, you trampled on the sea with your horses on the surge of many waters. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones. 
and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the days of distress. For the people to arise who will invade us, though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, and makes me walk on my high places. For the choir director, on my stringed instruments. Habakkuk goes from questioning God. And he's challenged now. He's challenged God's position, questions what God's doing. And God has shown him in the truth of that conversation, this intimate and beautiful conversation of honesty, which is by definition love. We get all messed up with love. That word is so screwed up in the English language. Because love is supposed to be squishy. We don't want to be have anything in tension. We don't want to, that, that was not this discussion. Habakkuk t- took courage for Habakkuk to push into God and say, God, what are you doing? And when God said, you have no idea. Matter of fact, I'm going to bring the Chaladians in and they're just going to basically slaughter everybody. Habakkuk is like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, what type of God are you? And that's when God says, get, get ready to write this down. Just see, write what vision you have. I'm going to show you. And in this moment, God teaches him. Beautifully teaches him. He shows him the corruption. He shows him all that's happened. He shows him how nations have fallen because of the same thing. And he shows him how later generations will repeat this cycle. Because ultimately, most nations eventually become Babylon. They become consumed with greed. They become consumed with their power of, of wine. They, they, they look at human beings as lesser and they develop into slave masters. They get consumed with sexual greed and sexual orientation or sexual obsessions. Their marriages fall apart. They cheat on their wives. All of this. And as God understand, and as Habakkuk hears this, he then makes this prayer. And he begins to understand the much bigger picture. That God will return. And God will come down as bold as he was in the time of Exodus. As he split the seas then, his presence will be known to the whole world and he will crush nations if he needs to to save his anointed. And in that whole process of teaching, Habakkuk has now gone from questioning and doubting to being so humbled and living in a place of the true righteousness where no matter what befalls him, he understands that God has him. And even if there's no food, there's no blossoms on the trees, no fruits to bear, he will still rejoice in the fact that his God is the God of salvation. 
and it's his strength. And all of that stems from having an honest and intimate relationship with God. So much to consider. Not only is this historically relevant, the same type of repeating, but we're also in the same place so often as Habakkuk. We're too often looking to God, pleading to him, asking him, how many times do I hear this? I can't wait till, I can't wait till God takes me away. What? I mean, I, when I hear these things and people say that, I'm like, what world do you live in? See, when Christ was sacrificed, his blood on the cross covered all of our sins forever. But the world that we're in is still a fallen world. The biggest lesson I think most people miss is he comes back to reteach and work with his disciples so that they will go out and move out again. Because the most important part of this is they must spread the word and the lessons that Christ was trying to teach. In other words, occupy, expand, and subdue through the power of the Holy Spirit. Habakkuk is still back at the me place when he begins this process. He's at the me, 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 saying it's his people, but it's all about him ultimately. This is what I see. What are you doing? It makes no sense to me. And God doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't knock him down and say, be quiet. That would be something that Lucifer might do, but not God. He takes time to give him the download of what's going on, enough for Habakkuk to totally reconsider where he's at. And then to come back to the realization that God is working in such a huge way, ways that he can't even understand, as he brings one nation in to destroy another nation. And ultimately, all this is about bringing his children back to him. Right now, we're going through a very similar time in this world. And we're forgetting our role in this world. We keep waiting. It's what I often call the pew marshmallow. We keep waiting too often. We're out here and we're waiting. People are like, okay, when's Jesus coming? I don't know. Only God will know the time and the place. Only the Father will know the time and the place. I have no idea. Yeah, but I can't wait till Jesus comes to take me out of this place. Well, that's not going to happen that way. i got news for you anyway. And that's because our role here is to be actively engaged in a fight against an enemy. The question is, do you know who the enemy is and do you know who you are? See, the story of Habakkuk is he starts to learn who he is. And he starts to realize that these issues that he's being obsessed with are issues of this world. And I would argue that when we get to the end of this, Habakkuk finally understands that he's not of this world. And those are easy things to say but we have to know who we are. The earth is waiting for the kings to rise, God's children to be awakened, the mature followers of Jesus and of the Lord, those who totally understand that what's been said is not some sort of game. And it isn't just the waiting, it's the active doing in this world of spreading the word, truly 
Luke 10.19, Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. And John 14.12, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Let's go back to the garden. Before Peter was told that he was going to become fishers of men, Peter vowed to protect Jesus, stand in his way, protect him. He would protect his Lord. Now, this is the part where I make so many people uncomfortable and whatever. But I also know that hardly anybody has ever picked up a sword to be serious about it. So when Peter draws his sword, it's so often said he just he missed his head and it was like a clumsy strike. And I'm going to tell you, as I've told you before, no. Because what we witness here is something profound. I've read this passage. I've talked to other pastors about it. And there's a general agreement that what I'm saying right now is something we've missed fairly deeply. And it all relates back to Luke 10:19 and John 14:12 and the understanding of who we are. See, Peter steps up to protect his master and in this process uses the sword of steel and uses it with great precision because he cuts the ear and not the head, spares the life but stays the attack, and Jesus then stays him. And in this moment, Jesus then heals the ear this is literally master showing student the greatness of the difference in swords. The sword of the steel can cut, but the master shows him that the sword of the spirit can heal and transform and be loving so much that it destroys the evil within. Because at the end of the day, Peter saw the flesh as his enemy, and Jesus was showing him that the flesh is not his enemy. Because it's not our enemy. In this war that we fight, we are fighting in a, in a war of spiritual war. Look around and tell yourself that demons don't exist and you'll be lying. There is so much demonic activity. And the problem is people have stumbled so many times. They're walking without God. They have no armor. They're opening doors for demonic forces to in, invade and take over. Demonic forces that are turning good people into evil actions, guiding them into doing evil things or stupid things. And what we have to ask ourselves is who is our enemy? Because it's not our neighbor. It's not your brother. It's not your parents. It's not somebody who's took the vax. Because we're dealing with dark forces beyond and principalities beyond our reach. Know our enemy. And in that moment where Jesus heals the flesh, he's reminding Peter brilliantly that the sword of the Spirit is mightier than the sword of steel. Know who you are. Habakkuk comes at the end of the story to realize that in spite of all these things that are going on in the earth, whatever happens, he's not of this world. And that's why he can turn to Father. 
in the midst of everything that's not happening, whether it's the fig trees aren't there, there's no foods producing in the field, the flock should be cut off from the fold, yet I will exalt in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, the Lord God is my strength. He understands finally that he's to live as the son of a of the God, a child, rather, of the one God is to live in the righteousness of love. And what we see then as Jesus continues that, that beautiful story is that as we fight evil, we're not fighting evil in the flesh. We're fighting that that possesses the flesh. This is an important point we're at right now. There's many people that have not accepted Christ, and so there's a tendency to say, well, you haven't accepted Christ. You, Father can't hear your prayers. There's nothing about you that I, I can do. Why not? Not everybody that was healed by Jesus was necessarily a believer, but they became one. And in looking at our enemies and understanding where the darkness is, we're trying to seek to find the glory of love to heal their heart and to expel the darkness that has taken over their heart to understand what our enemy is. And that darkness we deal with ruthlessly. Our brethren, we deal with the loving compassion of the righteousness which God put within us. We are in a time when so much is being questioned. We are in a time that we are, so many are seeking God to answer these questions. Why God? Why now? When are you coming? When are you going to take me away? When the answer is always the, should be always the same. Father, how do I serve you better in these times? How do I do that and fulfill what you need me to fulfill? Because we are here now for a reason. It's not to shortcut this experience. We're given the greatest experience. I would argue if there was a competition right now to come live as a spiritual being in a physical shell, Man, there would be a lottery going on in heaven because this would be the greatest time ever to live, the most challenging, the most demanding, and the most fulfilling. And in a way, to grow in a way that only comes around probably every 10,000 years, if that. We have to embrace the greatness of who we are. We have to embrace the compassion for our neighbor, to love thy neighbor, and to love one another. We have to guide those, find a way to open those hearts of those that walk in darkness. And we have to learn to engage our enemy, our true enemy, with the tools necessary to expel and defeat To subdue. And our enemy is what possesses so many in this world. Let's pray. Father, 
as we walk in this time and we seek that love within you and we seek that intimate relationship with you. We just pray that so many will begin to reach for it and find it. Seek it more than anything. Ask for it, to pursue it with an endless run, to race after that love in Jesus in such a way as to be consumed with it like a fire. To have the honesty in our conversations. To be honest in our heart as we talk to you, to build that intimate relationship. Not a relationship where we're talking to a wall or talking to ourselves, but a relationship where we truly learn to hear you as we speak and you respond to listen carefully to what is said and shared, to open our eyes to truly walking with you in this world, to truly walking with you, Jesus, in this world. And in so doing, to really understand the true power as you will teach and have shown the power of love in its mightiest form. Father, we are blessed by all that you give and the greatness of what you put before us. We are blessed at how you know us and how you know our heart and how you guide us. We're guilty of trying to shape a world in our image and trying to define a world in our anger, our haste, our anxieties, our lack of listening, our intolerance. Forgive us for these things. Let us take time to listen to you, to learn the wisdom that you place before us, to grow as you are guiding us to grow, and to expand our reach into new horizons. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, these are challenging times. There's great stories to guide us in, in Scripture. At the end of the day, we ultimately are going to have to keep our boots on the ground. It's easy to pray. It's necessary. But part of what we have to be doing is being in the world. Habakkuk was in the world. And in that process as what he witnessed. He was honest with Father. So as we walk, reach and be honest in your heart and your conversations. Have true conversations with Father. Have true conversations with Jesus. And listen. Take time to listen for the response, which doesn't necessarily come all the time but it also comes in so many different forms and each of us has to learn to listen to the way God speaks to each of us uniquely that is intended for us. There's no cookie cutter method here. There's just the passion of the righteous fire of, in the heart that seeks and pursues father with all the love that you have. And in those honesty and truthful conversations, God may have you take out a chisel and a scribe in clay 
or he may just speak to you quietly in whispers through the heart, through impressions on your mind. Whatever form, he's speaking boldly. Listen, because these are times not to miss what he has to say. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.